ready for true happiness, for deep fulfillment, for feeling alive, on purpose, and in control of your life again, it's time to be the bold, brilliant, beautiful woman you were born to be. Welcome to the Purpose Girl Podcast. I'm women's happiness and life purpose expert, Karen Rockhunt, and I'm going to teach you how to live on purpose, feel alive, and be happy in every aspect of life. I'm going to get real about my life and interview women who are living on purpose so that you can finally live yours. Welcome to the show. Hello, 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 my purpose girls. So I have a confession to make. I am a self-help junkie. A self-help junkie. Raise your hand if you are with me where like your bookshelf looks like the freaking bookstore, the part of Barnes and Nobles. God, I miss the days of Barnes and Nobles and Borders, but that's a side note. But it looks like that section and you own all the books because that is totally me. And like Josh will try to get me to read like something fun. He's like, is that fiction? I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. No, but this was written by Glennon Doyle and it's going to help me be, you know, I just freaking love her. Every single thing is like that. And so there's been this buzz amongst all of my friend groups, all of my like coach women about something called human design. And I'm like, wait, what's, what's this thing? I don't know anything about. How is it possible? I have all the books. And then this amazing woman walks into my life who happens to be a human design expert. And I am so thrilled that she is here today. So from what I'm picking up, Human design is all based on our birthday and where we were born and some sort of like astrology thing that like helps us get to know ourselves even better so that we can truly be living that most spectacular, most alive, most radiant, most purposeful life that we are all here for. And any tool that's going to help me do that, that's going to help you do that, you know that I am down to do and I am down to share with you. And that is why I am so excited about my guest today. But I'm also excited because she has become one of my dear friends, one of my colleagues. Wait until you meet this woman. And I am in one of her coaching programs. So I'm telling you, I love her. Let me introduce you to Kelly Mahalik. Kelly is a human design mentor and embodied leadership facilitator. She has helped hundreds, really with her podcast and all around thousands of women around the world to get to know who they really are so that they create a life that is the life of their dreams. Her work is so incredible because it goes beyond just someone's business, even though many of the women who work with her have businesses, are growing businesses, are selling out businesses. It's all based on being who you actually were born to be, knowing the ways that you best work. She runs programs for your specific type, so you're going to want to get to know that, and we will talk all about that. She also is a spiritual director, unlike any woman I have ever met. Currently, that's the program I'm doing with her. It's called Resurrection, the Rebecoming, which is all about letting go of that which no longer serves you in order to rise up and become the woman, the person that you were born to be. We've been doing this incredibly powerful, powerful work, even having a funeral for ourselves. So we will talk about that because I want you all to hear about this and do it the next time that she offers it. Kelly also comes from my hometown of the D in Detroit. She is an amazing woman. And let me tell you, she inspires the fuck out of me. So excited. Kelly, welcome to the Purpose Girl podcast. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to be here. We didn't even know each other existed six months ago. And now (laughs) we're just like, how is that possible? (laughs) How did that even happen? But thank you for that intro. That was like quite, quite the the introduction there. So thank Mm. you. Well, I mean, every, every word. Kelly and I are in a mastermind together with our coach. And so it's been so fun to get to hear you dive into your work and how you're changing women's lives. And here you are, you're constantly talking about human design, something called a Manny, which I thought had to do with my nails and something called like a Manny Jenny or something. And we'll talk about what that is. And, you know, people who are projectors and I'm like, I thought projecting was wrong and we shouldn't be projecting our shit onto other people. And so there's like all these different terms. And I know you're going to take us through all of them. And what's fun is I sent you my birthday and where I was born so we could dive into it. But so like 
first, let's start with what is human design? Right. So human design is kind of like an esoteric slash scientific super tool that really marries um, some really old spiritual systems such as like the Chinese I Ching, the Tree of Life from Jewish Kabbalah, uh, Western astrology, uh, originally rooted in Egyptian astrology, as well as the Hindu Brahman Chakra Centers with the more uh, modern notion of quantum physics. Oh, just a couple of things there. Just a couple of things. <laughs> just like a little bit here and there. Right. Like no big deal. Very simple. Okay. So is it, how, how does one thing combine all of these different aspects? And it feels like it's kind of like blown up recently. Yes. Um, so the kind of backstory to human design is the creator, Alan Krakauer, uh, was just a upper middle class, mediocre white man who uh, went on a spiritual eat, love, pray, love journey before that was a thing, wound up in an island on Ibiza, you know, off of the coast of Spain and I mean, in my opinion, probably went on some plant medicine journeys. It's never been confirmed nor denied. Um, <laughs> but I I just can never stop hearing that like song. I took a pill in Ibiza and I'm like, it's the human design theme song. That's um, how it happened. It was from that. Right. And I'm so here for that. Like the earth has so much wisdom to give us through her through her medicine. And so in this state of Ibiza, really kind of had what he referred to as the voice, right? Mm. Which I think we've all heard a voice yes, in our yes. lives, right? And whether you call that God, universe, intuition, your higher self, spirit, whatever, right? We've all had the voice come to us and whisper in our ear. And the voice led him to this idea that all of these systems that had been kind of like brought in and downloaded and used by different cultures and peoples throughout time and history were not actually these individual systems, but that they were puzzle pieces that were meant to be like put together to create a more holistic, even richer and deeper mm. way of understanding ourselves. And that they were all not full and complete in and of themselves. But then when we put them together, they enhanced and deepened the journey. And so here we get human design. Yeah. Oh, wow. This is so exciting. It makes so much sense because I was working with a woman on my team who, you know, you introduced me to, and she started talking to me about human design. And I was like, I only know it because Kelly talks about it. And she said, nothing ever made me feel like I understood myself or nothing made me feel so understood until this. And now you're explaining why. And I love this idea that on the highest level, level the universe was planting all these little pieces all around to come together. And of course, it's probably all based on the same thing because ancient wisdom is ancient wisdom. It's just us as kind of modern humans who have decided, well, this is an American thing or that's, you know, a, an Egyptian thing. It's like, no, it's, it's a human thing. So it makes a ton of sense. Yeah. And to me, it felt so true in the idea that like, the truth was not given to like one people or place or culture. Right. And then like everyone else was wrong. Right. How could that possibly be? Right. Because as like a spiritual leader and teacher, one thing that I know is true is that we're all getting it right somewhere and we're all getting it wrong somewhere else. Mm, mm, mm. And so if we can stop telling each other, like, like, and we can just realize, like, we all have it a little bit right. We all have it a little bit wrong. And we're all on our own journeys, like, headed towards the same place. I feel like I'm, like, blown away for a second. And that's why I am speechless. I feel like I just want to put a picture frame, like, around that sentence. We all have it a little bit right. And we all have it a little bit wrong. And, like, isn't that the answer right there to, like, world peace? Like, can we all stop pretending, like, my way is the best way? No, my way is the best way. And, like, how much would we stop having all of these issues and genocides and, I mean, just mass and, and poverty and so many, many issues if we would just say, hey, what do you have a little bit right? Hey, what do you have a little bit right? And, like, just acknowledge that we, we're all in the same place and have it in it together. Yeah. 
this is so incredibly profound as a spiritual practice. And I do see you as a spiritual director. I mean, truly, truly. And I know you're going to be starting a church in the future and we can talk about that. I know you're just starting. We could talk about it or not talk about it, but like, this is who you are. And so someone who's listening to this, they're like, all right, so do I like do my human design? I get it done. Like, what's it going to tell me? Right. So essentially, you know, Alan pseudonymed himself as Ra Uruhu. So when you see the human design system being spoken of, you will you'll be like, wait, I thought she said it was some guy named Alan. It was you'll see it as Ra Uruhu because that was the spiritual name that he went by. <laughs> Love it. Um, so so when Ra downloaded the system, right, it was all based out of your birth information. Mm. Right. And so you it is using utilizing two dates the exact time and place and location you were born, as well as 88 degrees before you were born, approximately 88 days. Uh, it's 88 degrees of the sun. Oh, interesting. That's not a day? It's approximately a day. Okay, fair enough. I just didn't even know that. Okay. Why 88 days? Because, because of leap years, okay. right? Right, like oh, the leap oh, years oh. account for how over four years there's an extra degree in there. So that's why we say approximately 88 days because it's not an exact day. So what's the theory behind the 88 days? Like, is that the like when our soul comes in? Yeah. So the theory is, is like that's when like the soul drops into the body mm. and you you really are now a full human. Right. Like body, mind, spirit mm. in completion at that 88 day mark, um, which like obviously rubs a lot of people in different ways based on their own beliefs about life, as well as just like sometimes confusion about like, well, you know, one of the questions I get is like, well, what about people who aren't born on their due dates and things like that? And it's like, well, but we're talking about like a divine wisdom here mm -hmm. that knows when that moment is, because it it preconceives whether you'll be born early or late or whatever the things are like and that your soul is right on time because it knew before any of us did. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I was just reading one. Was it your Instagram today? And, you know, just about like relaxing and trusting that there is a higher plan and that God's got you basically. Right. Like. We can just trust that there is there is divine timing in when we were born. And I want to go back to 88 days before my son was born. I think this is so cool. I'm like, oh, that was the day that his soul came into my body. This is just like amazing. I love it. So Kelly, you did my human design. I gave you my mm -hmm. birth date and I gave you where I was born. Were we born in the same city? We were both born in Detroit. Yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so what does it mean? So for everyone out there, in case you're wondering and you want to send me a birthday present, I was born on September 8th. Everyone keep that in mind, September 8th. And I don't mind sharing, 1974. And yes, it's going to be my 47th birthday. And yes, I look super hot for 47. I do agree. Literally the hottest, like J-Lo style hot. Getting better and better as you, you're like a fine wine, just like better and better as you age. You know what? Know your strengths, baby. And I actually, I own that. So- all right, September 8th, the gifts can start coming. Tell me, Kelly, about my human design. Right. So this is something that is really interesting to note about human design really quick, um, because I saw a conversation happening the other day where someone was like, who's obsessed with like personality tests and like blah, 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 human design, Myers-Briggs, Enneagram, all of these things, which like I am, right? Like <laughs> I'm obsessed. I'm clearly like I'm obsessed with all of them. But like interesting to note, my Myers-Briggs has changed three times since I first found it. Right. Because it's based off of questions. It's a personality test. It's like, where are you now? Right. And so like, you know, when I took it last time two years ago, I was an ENFP. Right. Um, I had previously been like an ENTP. So I dropped more into my feelings as I got older and, you know, started my spiritual journey and things like that. But I took it just recently a few weeks ago and was an INFP. And I was like, oh, Ooh. quarantine changed me. Right now, like if you looked at my percentages, I was always very close because I'm a, really a true ambivert. 
Mm-hmm. which shows up in a different way in my human design that like I can show up and I can extrovert. I could get on a stage with millions of people. I could be be in the middle of Madison Square Garden and like bring the energy. But like then I'm going to walk off that stage and I'm going to go crawl into a bed somewhere. And like you, I will fall off the face of the earth for two weeks. Yes. Because like now I like I can I can extrovert with the best of them. But people are always surprised when they hear that I have a lot of introverted tendencies because I then need to like hermit really, really hard after like once I tap out, I tap out. So this changes. Human design never changes. It's like Mm. astrology because it is rooted in with that astrological system of being based on when and where you were born. Okay, I love that. Since that never changes, your design never changes. Mm. So this is a fixed thing. It's basically the way I like to think of it is like your soul's blueprint. Mm. Your soul's blueprint. Right, like if God had had a blueprint that he was working with, like this would be what it looked like on paper if he had drawn it out for you, right? And so in that vein, it's kind of also like an operating manual, Hmm. right? You buy a car and like you have to look in and see like what kind of gasoline does it need? What kind of oil? How often do you need to be changing it? All of these things to help your vehicle run at optimal performance. And so that's the power of human design is that when we learn how to care for our vehicle and utilize it in the way it was meant to be used, not the way the world tells us to use it, we run in optimal peak performance. This just makes so much sense. It's like, well, duh. I will quote you, Linda, you know, which is Linda. One of, Linda, which is one of my favorite things that you say. That makes so much sense. We are not given an, an owner manual. And in fact, I often think about and talk about that. I actually think we knew who our souls were when we were little because we were just being. Yes. And I love looking at a child and like looking at their human design and being able to see how that manifests in their behavior because like they haven't been conditioned out of who they are yet. Exactly. Exactly. Like no one's come along and said, you shouldn't be introverted or you shouldn't be so extra, right? You, you need to be more quiet or you need to be right. And so this, I love this. And side note, Cal, we're like the same person. I am right in the middle of introvert, extrovert, and people would not believe it. Yeah. Same thing though. People are like, can we go to lunch after your talk? No, we cannot go to lunch after my talk. No, (laughs) I have to go like die in a bathtub somewhere. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. So this is basically my owner manual. And I asked Kelly to do mine so that you all could have a sense of it. So that of course you can then work with her or whomever and be able to get your own done. But I thought that would be like the best demonstration of what it is. Yeah. So there's five different types and the types in human design are kind of like the sun sign of human design. When someone goes like, you know, what's your sign? Like they're looking to know that like you're a Virgo, right? Which like you are like the most Virgo of all the Virgos. (laughs) You're like the queen Virgo. Do you think this is maybe a different conversation? Because I always feel like that doesn't describe me at all. Oh, my gosh. Yes. So it's interesting. And this is just like a side note on astrology, right? Is that the sun sign is typically the way that people see, like the way that we show up where like our moon sign is how we understand ourselves because it's more of our emotional body and our Mm. internal world. Mm. So like your moon sign, you would probably identify more with, but your sun and your rising sign are kind of like the external facing things that people perceive from you, which is not always the same way we perceive ourselves. Thank you. I'm going to add you now as my astrological director as well. Okay, we have to get into human design, but now I need to know what is so Virgo about me? Um, Just like the uh, Virgos tend to be particular. Me? (laughs) (laughs) They 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 like it a certain way. And like, that's the way. That's the right way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Their way is the right way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and everything else is wrong. <laughs> Are you inside my marriage? For worse? <laughs> Josh talking to you about like my issues? Yes. Okay. This is true. Yeah. What's funny though, is I also like my inner way. I'm like, no, but I'm really a free bird and I don't want to be that controlled in life. So you just explained why. And that's like so funny. Now I need to know your moon sign. Another yeah, day. Another, another day. Another day, another show, all of the things. All the things. Okay. So you have my birth date. Yeah. What does this mean in terms of my owner manual human design? Right. So we've got that the sun sign 
portion of the chart is the type. So when someone says like, what's your human design, they're looking for your human design type. Because just like in astrology, where you have a sun sign, a moon sign, a a rising sign, you've got, you know, houses, you've got all of these things happening. Like human design has an inexhaustible amount of information happening inside of it. Mm. It takes you, this is why like I even, I recoiled a little bit at the beginning when you called me a human design expert, because there's something in the word expert that like I just don't resonate with because this is so inexhaustible and such a journey that like I don't believe anyone can ever call themselves an expert here because like we're always digging deeper and we're learning there's always like another layer of that onion to peel right which is why like my my technical term that I go by is mentor Mm. because like I've just peeled a few more layers than you and I know more of the information to help lead and guide you but like No one can ever become an expert at this, in my opinion, because it just can always keep going deeper. And so this one particular piece of the chart, the type, which is what people will look for, right, for you is generator. I'm a generator. A generator. So there's five types, manifestor, projector, generator, manifesting generator, and reflector, right? And like, real quick analogy, if this were an ancient civilization, the uh, manifestors would be the sovereigns, the kings and queens, because they're the people who can do whatever the hell they want. Mm. They're the initiators of the world. They're the only type that gets to initiate that does not need something external from themselves to kind of confirm where they're going and what they're doing. So the manifestors just get to do whatever the hell they want. So they're the kings and the queens that are just like deciding what's happening in the world and going out and like laying down the laws. No, I want to be a manifestor. I mean, everybody does, but you actually don't. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, so that's it a manifestor. Sounds really fun. It sounds really fun, but also, like, it's not. And the manifestors are all like, I wish I was something else. It's a case of the grass is greener always. Fair. Projectors would be the, the small council. Mm. Right. So this is the hand of the king, the master of coin, the the knights at the round table. These are the people that are here to manage and guide the energy of the world and take those things that are already in existence and rework them in new ways. Hmm. Okay. Then you have the generators and the manifesting generators, which are subtypes of one another. Um, So they kind of go together in this. And these are the townspeople. These are the soldiers. These are the people who have a lot of physical stamina and energy that they kind of are like recharging batteries within themselves to like go and like get the things done. These are the doers of the world. Okay. Right. We are the people that like get shit done. Got it. Got it. Do the damn thing. I'm with you. Yes. And then the reflectors are like the oracles. They are the Nostradamuses who um, are really here just to be a, a guide and an oracle in the world and to show the world and literally reflect back to us who we are and what we're doing and who we're being. Mm, got it. So okay. you are a pure generator, mm-hmm. right? And pure generators, like I said, are the doers of we the do, world. We do, do, do. Got it. Got yes. it. Yes. But over time and history, generators and other generator types like Manny Gens have internalized this idea that their worth belongs in their production and their doing. Mm. And that they are only worth what they can create and what they can accomplish. And so this in this time and place in history... This is why this work is so important, because we need to untangle those binds. Mm. No, that doesn't sound like me at all, Kelly. I don't know what you're talking about. Just kidding. (laughs) So for all of you out there, if you don't know, this is like a really big issue of mine. I mean, you all know I'm totally down for sharing all my shit. And like, this is something I really struggle with. My worth being how much I produce, right? How many of you are following this podcast, almost 300,000 of you, by the way. How many of you are in the Purpose Girls Facebook group? How many people are in my programs? Like, as if that means I am better or worse based on that. And a huge thing that I'm actually doing in the resurrection program with Kelly, which we'll talk about is, you know, I had a funeral for that part of me because all that does is, first of all, make me feel like shit if the numbers aren't exactly there. And I launch things and, and, you know, introduce opportunities to you guys that you're not into and that's totally okay. And then what does that say about me as a mom? I don't want that to just be about like who I am, my worth being about 
the the doing in the world. I want it to be about the being and my quality of my essence. And so you're describing a lot and I'm actively working on making that shift in the moment, right? Yeah. And so when we stop thinking that we are only worth what we can produce in the world, then we also get to re-examine and release the ways in which our energy has been co-opted and in which we give away our energy to other people and our creativity to serve other people, right? Generators and managers make up 70% of the world. Oh, interesting. Right? So if we think about this even on like a really broad scale of, let's say, capitalism Hmm. and how the wealth and success of the few is typically built on the backs of the many. Mm -hmm. And where have we been giving away our time and our energy and our, our money and our creativity and what was given to us to help us foster our gifts, our genius, our purpose, our passion, our pleasure to other people, making ourselves miserable in turn because we feel like we have to earn our place in the world. We feel like we have to earn and work for our credit, our value, the right to take up space. Mm, This is resonating so much, right? It's like, that's exactly what has happened in my life and in so many lives is like, raise your hand if you feel like you have to prove yourself. You have to earn that you're valuable and that it comes down to, do I have the right title or the right boyfriend or girlfriend? Do I have the right, like whatever the things are that make you feel like you have to earn it instead of it being about who we be. And what I'm also hearing you say, Kelly, is because of that, then we started ignoring our own dreams, ignoring our own purpose, ignoring our own play and our own pleasure and the things that really fill us so that we could just go do, 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 do. And that often means then doing for someone else for them to make a lot of money on our, going back to the car manual, right? On on, on our car. Yeah. And so... When we step into design, when we enter into this sacred work with ourselves for generators, it is largely about reclaiming your own sovereign energy for yourself, Mm. that your energy, your creativity, your genius, right, your excellence, the things you know, that that was meant to be used for your own purpose and pleasure and satisfaction, Right. As opposed to giving it away, which goes into this whole rewriting of the way we show up in the world and the way we do things in that you have to start to learn to say no, Mm. because there's no room for you to start saying yes to yourself if you're still saying yes to everything else. And so we first have to start to learn to give really good no's to make space for the yeses. But this weird thing happens in this where we enter what I call the generator purgatory, Hmm. where we've started to say no and we're offloading, but the correct yeses have not stepped in yet. Hmm. And so you sit in like the wilderness. In like the freaking, I'm like already getting uncomfortable just thinking about it, right? It's right. (laughs) That's the unknown that people are so afraid to jump into. Yeah. Which I've jumped into a million times in my life and it's scary as fuck to do so. Yeah. And can you trust your soul Hmm. that it will bring the correct things to you if you make the space for it? Mm. Mm -mm -mm. So profound. And all that just based on my birthday. All that just based on your birth. And that's like a tip of the iceberg. And that's, you know, I also know because I hear people talk and someone once was, had looked at my chart but I, I couldn't even tell you where it was. And there were all these numbers. Aren't there like a lot of numbers? There are a lot of numbers. So when someone, if you're out there and you're like, oh, I want to have my human design read, there's going to be all these other aspects to it. Mm-hmm. Now, even just looking at mine and we talk about like what I need to say no to, this is a perfect transition to the other work that you and I have been doing together. Mm-hmm. One of the things I know about Kelly, and I didn't put in your intro, but really I should have. And you've been through a lot, sister. I have. You know, you've really, you've, you've been through a lot in life and survived a lot and overcome a lot. And this with strength and courage that I, I can't even, you know, imagine. And you were writing these posts about 
that part of you that was the survivor that had to overcome and overcome and overcome. And we can share some of that if you're willing to share some of that here with people. Mm-hmm. And how that survival and all that doing, you you literally had to have a funeral for. Yeah. It's like the saying no to all these parts of you that no longer serve you in order to make space for what now is like a rockin' multi-six-figure business, rockin' life, feeling good about yourself, et cetera. So I want to transition there because we're in, I'm in this with you right now, right? It's a three-week program. We're in this place where we had the funeral. Like when we're taping this, just so y'all know, I'm, I'm in this weight that we're talking about. Right. Where we had a funeral for a part of me. And it's really that part that thinks that things have to be hard, that thinks that I have to do, 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 that thinks that my worth is based on all of the, all, all that I produce and how much money I make and all that. And so it's like the funeral was there and, and in this like uncomfortable space right now before the resurrection and the rebirth. And so I want to kind of get to all of that, but maybe we can start with your story of overcoming, because then I want to get into this whole resurrection process, because I think it's something everybody needs to experience. Yeah. So my human design, um, and we have something in human design called profiles, right? And these are kind of like the archetype. It's kind of like who, what's that archetype that we're living into and kind of like our bigger, our bigger overarching purpose. And so for me, I'm a six, two, they're like numbers. And the six line is a unique one and that it goes through three distinct stages of life. And so for the six lines, such as myself, the first stage of life is from birth to Saturn return, which is about age 29, 30, in which you live as what we call a three line. And the three line is marked. I know it all sounds very complicated, (laughs) Um, but it is marked by trial and error. And by learning through experience. But because the six line doesn't have their whole life to live as a three line in trial and error, they have to pack all of their trial and error lessons into the first 30 years of their life. Awesome. Sweet. Cannot wait. So happy my soul signed up for this. Yes. Let's just pack in a whole lifetime in 30 years. Yes. Which meant like by the time I had hit my 30th birthday, I had suffered from self-injury, depression, anxiety, panic disorder, eating disorders, drug addiction, alcohol addiction. Uh, I had buried a child. I like I had been through it. Mm. And even coming out of that It's not like an overnight thing. You don't have your Saturn return. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, and now it's all cool. That kind of like begins to wane a little bit. But even through the first few years of my 30s, I lost my stepfather who had raised me. My parents, you know, he had been around since I was six. Mm. Um, And who I lived with. I lived with him and my mother. And so I lost my stepfather. I went through infidelity and eventually divorced my husband. Mm. Like started over. So like I had been through it, like abuse, addiction, death, grief, loss in every way possible. Like if it can happen to you, I feel like I've been through it and it was exhausting. Mm, 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 mm. And I don't even know how someone, when I learned that you had buried a child, do you remember? Mm -hmm. We were on a group call. And when I learned that, I I just couldn't stop crying. I mean, I was in such pain over it because I have a baby, as you know, and I don't even know how someone recovers from that, let alone that plus everything else you just mentioned, infidelity and abuse and addiction. And that would have most people just on the floor done. Right. And I really do believe that, you know, it's twofold in how I was able to do that and then be where I am now. One being that it was my design. I signed up for this before I ever came here. Mm -hmm. And so with that, I also was fully prepared and resourced in all of the things that I needed physically, emotionally, financially, mentally, spiritually. I was resourced and given everything I needed to be able to walk through that, Mm -hmm. through all of it in any stage of life. Mm -hmm. Second would be that I chose it every step of the way. Mm. That at every moment I got to ask, is this going to be the thing that takes me out? Or is this going to be 
the thing that propels me forward. Yes, yes, yes. I choose are the two most powerful words that we could possibly ever say. Yeah, the same fire that burns down the house propels the rocket into space. Yeah, yeah, right, right. So which one is it going to be for you? You get to position yourself for Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And so it was an active choice. And also, and this is what led to resurrection, was that at a certain point I realized that so many of those things, right, the abuse I couldn't control, the grief and the loss I couldn't control. I couldn't control that my baby died. I couldn't control that my husband slept with someone else. I couldn't control that my stepfather passed away. I couldn't control, you know, that I had fallen in love with a man who developed a heroin addiction and then decided to put his hands on me. I couldn't control all of these things that some of them were beyond me. I was the passenger in the situation of someone else's decisions or just life and providence. Right. That they're a thing. Yes. But there were certain things that I did choose. Mm. I chose addiction. Up into a certain point, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I chose to do the drugs. I chose to drink. I chose to utilize food as a way to control my life, Mm -hmm. right? And obviously that's a nuanced, bigger picture in where where choices turn it, where we lose control in the choices. And when it's an unconscious choice, subconscious, you're not, you're like, I didn't choose this and it's... Right, so don't at me, people. Right. Trust me. I've been there. I get it. It's nuanced. We don't have time for all of that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but I <laughs> love you. <laughs> right. We're going to go with it is there is a choice to begin all of that. And there's an unconscious choice of sticking with the pain because sometimes it it strangely feels better than the unknown of coming out or the process. And so and also that like. I did that because that's what I needed to survive all of those things I couldn't control. Mm. That is, and what a genius I am. Yes. That I knew that I could not be present in my life. And so I found a substance that would make it so I didn't have to be present in my life because that was the only way I was going to get through my pain. Yes. How genius of me. And so instead of shaming myself around these things or asking myself how I got caught up in that or why did I make that choice or any or why didn't I stop myself sooner or any of these things or even falling into the resignation of, of, well, but this is a disorder. This is a disease and it overtook me. Yes. And... I choose to take some of my power back by seeing how genius it was of my brain to take me down that path to protect me and give me what I needed to literally survive what I couldn't have otherwise done. Yes. There is so much power in that. There is so much power in that, sister. You saying, I'm going to claim my power back because if if I can claim that these were choices— in part that I made, then I can make a new choice. Mm-hmm. And that's so much more empowering than just, well, it was out of my control, right? It's like, no, we let's take our power back. Let's claim I made that choice and now I'm going to make a different choice. And what I'm hearing you say, and I want everyone to underline this, take out your highlighter, like all the things, is so powerful. You weren't going to beat yourself up and say, how could I have done that? And maybe you did for a little bit. Like, I think it's so normal and human, right? We all do that. Yeah. But it's like, rather than staying in that mud, that sludge, that soup of like, how could I? I'm so stupid. Why did I blah, blah, blah. Rather, I'm going to flip it and say how genius I am. Right. How genius I am to know that I needed to numb out from that pain. Mm -hmm. Right now I'm so genius because I know I'm not going to numb out from that pain. But like sisters, all of you listening, listen up, Purpose Girls. This is what I'm talking about with you over and over again and what Kelly is so beautifully demonstrating and teaching us all right now. When we talk about this as choice, like this is the choice to not beat yourself up over the past and rather see how genius you were. Flip it with the self-compassion and the truth and the empowerment. That is so beautiful and powerful and profound and inspiring, Kelly. Right. So we, you know, I took that and asked myself, what if I stop looking at these old pieces of me 
this past version of myself, right? Mm. And I stopped putting judgment on it. Mm. And I stopped feeling shame about it. And I also recognize that just because that's who I've been doesn't mean that that's who I have to continue to be. Mm-hmm. And that I get to choose in any given moment to be someone new mm-hmm. without creating resistance or judgment or shame on who I've been, but instead releasing all of that and loving it through a funeral, Mm -hmm. through a ritual experience where we get to love and honor and thank this version of ourselves for being so genius, for doing what it needed to do, for protecting itself, Mm. even if it wasn't necessarily the most constructive, quote unquote, (laughs) or wisest or most discerning or responsible or reasonable or whatever stories we've told ourselves about the things we had to do to survive. Mm. Right. And releasing the judgment and the shame and instead stepping into that same place with love and saying, like, I love you and I'm so grateful for you. And I thank you because you helped me live when I didn't want to, when I literally had to peel myself up off of the floor and will myself to keep going on this earth. You knew how to. And I thank you for that. But today, I don't need you to pick me up off the floor anymore. Mm. I don't need you anymore. And so, like, it's safe. And I remember sitting next to my stepfather on his last day on earth. And I remember singing him old psalms Mm. when it was just me and him in the room and saying to him, it's okay. Mm. And giving him permission. And I think we need that same permission for ourselves that it's okay to die sometimes. It's okay to let go of those old pieces. Mm. And we need to sing ourselves the old psalms. And we need to give ourselves that gift of it's safe to go. We're going to be okay. Mm. Preach, sister. You are like honey on my soul right now. It is okay to let go. Mm -hmm. And I will tell all of you that during the funeral, which we just had a few days ago, there was a moment when Kelly asked us to rip up the, the eulogy, the words to ourselves. And my hands didn't want to rip the paper. Right. It's like that part of me, of course, in my head, I'm like, I don't want that part of me anymore. But in my heart, in my heart and really in my nervous system, right? Which what wires together stays together. It's like I I had created a lot of story around that this part of me was protecting me Mm -hmm. from that fear of the unknown, from that saying no, from that stepping into the gap. And we were on a Zoom and I was like, I can't. And Kelly just lovingly, right? There's like 20 of us on this Zoom and you just looked at me with such love and you said, it's okay, sister. I see you. And you told me it's okay. And then I was able to to rip it up. And so in this moment, all of you listening to this, I mean, you can see why I love her. She's so freaking profound and inspiring and strong and human. In this moment, what an opportunity I want all of you to think about, like what needs to die in order for me to step into my truest, most powerful, most purposeful self. And you can have some time with that. (laughs) You don't have to come up with the answer right now, but like, what are the old patterns? What are the old behaviors? What are the old identities? What are the things that no longer serve you? And saying no to that first, let it lovingly with gratitude and appreciation, letting that part go, even when you don't know exactly what's coming next. Yeah. And I think it's so natural of us to want to hold on to it. 
and cling on to things that are even causing us pain or mm. heartache, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Things that are making things feel difficult and sticky and hard in our lives. It's natural to want to hang on to those things because in some way, it's like, but if I let this go, and I know, Karen, we've had this conversation, if I let this go, where's the evidence? So we need to keep the pain as like the, in the words of Glennon Doyle, as the receipt that we wave that says like, I loved, I survived, I was here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I've been saying to Kelly, like, I can't let go. So I've realized that I have a thing around, you know, I'm always teaching you guys pain to purpose, turn your pain into purpose. Right. So I've been learning that I have like a thing around like, it has to be hard, right? That's probably the generator in me. Like, I got to do more. Mm -hmm. I got to do more. And like, I get a lot of accolades from you guys. Like, you're so strong. And like, yeah, I've overcome the miscarriages and being robbed at gunpoint and, you know, being abused at 17 and like all that kind of stuff. And that is what I've been defining as being badass. And as long as I define my badassness as that pain that I've been through, then I'm going to hang on to the pain. In fact, to the point where my fertility doctor said to me, stop teaching pain to purpose. Like you're really getting in the way of our process here. Okay. Because if you keep teaching, he said this to me, and this is like a while ago, right? He said, if you keep teaching pain to purpose, then you're going to come up with, because I like things kept coming up in my fertility process, like one issue after another. And he's like, you're bringing this on to us, which is so interesting that we then have this conversation. Right. And so I said to Kelly, but I haven't done my Ted talk on pain to purpose yet. Right. Literally. I said that to you. So how can I let that go if I haven't done it yet? Right. Because like, what better story? We all love a good rags to riches. Right. And so like, what is that moment where now like you get to hold Shay and you get to be like, and I worked so hard for you (laughs) and I believed so hard for you for so long when it looked impossible and like all of these things. Right. And so like, where do we, yeah, like subconsciously play into this story that things have to be hard or that it's worth more or more valuable or somehow Mm. better. There's like a hierarchy in the receiving. If you work really hard for it and we suffer, right. Which like this idea of like, suffering being glorified, Mm -hmm. right, is like a whole thing in and of itself that we do that then like the prize is so much sweeter because I fought for it, right? But like at the end of the day, if you had gotten pregnant the second you decided you wanted to on the first try so easily, you would not love that baby any less than you love Shay. Like you would not, So like, was there any glory in it? You having to go through so much, not to discount what you did go through and what you experienced and how you persevered. Right. And that's the thing. We do not have to diminish where we did show up and where we were persistent and where we did show great faith. We don't have to diminish that. In order to say, but I choose for that to not be the story anymore. Mm. I choose that from here on out, it does get to be easy, Mm. right? And easy, here's the thing. Easy is very often misunderstood as like, it just is going to fall magically into my lap and I'm not going to have to effort it all. Totally. Untrue. Easy is the choice we make internally that I'm not going to get caught up in the story, Mm. that I'm not going to go down the path of judgment and shame and fear, and I'm going to stay in love. That's Mm. when it's easy. Mm. Which is not as easy for most of our brains to do because we have been... Letting it be easy is the hardest thing you will ever do. A hundred percent. And I feel like, you know, this is our coach, Julia, is like saying this to us a million times over, right? And it's like my human brain, you know, 46 years of thinking it had to be hard, even if subconsciously, maybe 40. I think until I was six, I let it be easy. And so this is like the work. Mm -hmm. I haven't even thought about this. Like, how can we let being easy be easy? Right. So for me, it's just like examining everything and asking yourself, like, where are my judgments? Where are my expectations? Where am I shooting on the situation? Right. And letting that letting myself focus on that, Mm. on the judgment, the fear, the shame, the shoulds. Right. The expectations. And if I release those, like, what's the most loving thing I can do right now? Mm. How can I enter into this? with love, with patience, with kindness. Mm. 
that then is the rebirth, the rebecoming. Yeah. So we sit for a week together in integration and in the in the land in between, right? With beautiful um, meditations that you give us and practices and exercises. Right, after we've died, but before we've been reborn, right? And this is modeled after the the Jewish concept of Shiva, where we take time to honor our dead and to honor ourselves and our grief process. Mm-hmm. Right. Which we've lost in the Western world mm-hmm. where we like, you know, you get three days leave and all three days, two of those days are spent on, you know, awake <laughs> and then one day and then the funeral day. And then like you're back to work the next day and you just have to pretend like someone who is so important to you is not gone and that your whole world is not turned upside down. Right. right? And the concept of of Shiva for those who don't know. And Karen, obviously, you can can weigh in in any way that great. you know. And you're doing um, great. Right. Is just like sitting and allowing people to come and serve you. And you have nothing to do in that week but to grieve yes. and to allow people to love you, to allow people to come bring you food and to spend time and be in community and communion with one another and break bread and just like be in the grief and like let the dust settle a little bit. Mm. So Shiva, right, it's from the Hebrew letter or word for, it's seven, right? So we do, we sit for seven days and that's what we're doing right now in in your program is sitting for seven days. And in those seven days, yeah, we sit as a family and we do a lot of talking. We do a lot of reminiscing about the person that we're grieving. We do a lot of laughing. One wouldn't expect to walk into a Shiva house, a morning house, and there's actually a lot of laughter because we're actually with our family and we're connecting deeply and we might be crying and laughing in the same moment. And you're helping me here, Kelly, really think about how, how genius we've had this scheduled for a long time before I signed up for this program. Yeah. So how genius that it came right during this week that you're helping me even see, okay, with this process I'm in right now, like even more honoring right now mm-hmm. until our next you know, ceremony on Sunday, the re-becoming even more honoring for the parts that we're letting go. This is so powerful. I'm already the over, over the time I told you that we were going to connect because there's so much here. I mean, there's so much to learn from you and I'm so appreciative. I know everybody who's listening to this, there's so much here. Mm -hmm. And I know we've barely scratched the surface on your genius and what you do. (laughs) So where people can find you. Um, people can find me on Instagram at Kelly Mahalik um, is probably the best place to connect with me there. And from there, you can find all the other things and places. Mm. And we will put all of her handles and links into the show notes. And you're going to want to follow her on either Instagram or Facebook because you're an exceptional writer, Kelly. Like move me to my soul, move me to my soul. And that's why I know that as you build your church and everything in the future, it's only going to be the place that we all want to go. And we haven't even talked about one of the things I have to just quickly mention this is that in a year's time, I mean, you've been like doubling your business after this funeral and shift. Yeah. So I did my own personal funeral um, that then got birthed into this program, which I'm in my second run of right now uh, in April of 2020. Um, in April of 2020, I made $2,700 in my business. <laughs> well done. That's well bragged. <laughs> and in April of this year, I'm just shy of 25000 for the month. So well bragged. 10 times, baby. 10x that shit. Yeah. So uh it was really this process of releasing and letting go, but with the honor and the love, right? Mm. And taking that time. And like the the program got built out of kind of just, I looked back and was like, what did I do? Because whatever I did like really worked. It was so profound. And it was, I did this funeral. And then I just like, I sat with it for a while, not because I was trying to be intentional with it, but because like I didn't, I hadn't received the next step yet until the next step dropped in a few weeks later, which was to run into Lake Huron and baptize myself Mm. and declare and decide in that moment, like, okay, we've, 
we've grieved, we've killed off, we've buried, we've released, we've loved, we've honored, we've sat with, we've reminisced, right? And we've really come to a, a feeling of completeness with that part of us being gone. So now it's time to step into and declare who we're going to be and what's taking that space up. Mm. So powerful, so powerful. Your work is incredible. I love you to no end. So Kelly, on the Purpose Girl podcast, I do this like random thing with all of my guests at the end. It's called Purpose Power Playround, where I ask you random questions. And the first thing that comes to your mind is the correct answer. You down? Perfect. Okay, awesome. When you were a little girl, what did you want to be? Julia Roberts. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Hello. Like I literally, I won like a McDonald's speech contest. Like when I grow up was the speech topic. And I was like, literally, and it was like, not that I want to be an actress. I want to be Julia Roberts. Specifically. Specifically. Because, fill in the dots. Because I don't, she was just ma- like magical. And I think the only thing I had seen her in at that point was like Pretty Woman. So like. Mm. <laughs> if you could all Maybe. see my face. Right. If you if you could see her, she's like, um, what does that say about me? Right. And I was like in fourth grade, so I would have been like, I don't know what, like nine. And so like now I'm like, do I need to go back and like deconstruct this? Wait, no, you already have. How genius. Because she, right, she was living a particular life probably until like the first third of her life. She then was the rebecoming. She was the rebecoming. And then she had the massive shift. Yes, you're welcome. That's exactly it. It's so obvious. You are a genius woman of And she was just gorgeous and she had red hair and I had red hair when I was little. And so like I very much identified just with her because it was not common that the only other person I really saw on TV that had red hair at the time was Pippi Longstocking, Mm-mm-mm. who I love. But like also that was just not my my mood or my style. Right. Right, right. I, I don't know how old you are. You don't have to tell me, but like Molly Ringwald was like the redhead of my generation. Like she was everywhere. Yes, but I think at nine, I had not been fully introduced into coming of age movies yet. Right, right, right. Uh, except for the one about a prostitute who then. Oh, I think I had seen For Keeps. That's one of my favorite Molly okay. Ringwalds. Of course, because like, why would I not know the one about teenage pregnancy? <laughs> Genius. It's perfect. I love it. And I love Julie Roberts. And that's so good. And you already have mentioned Eat, Pray, Love in this podcast. And so look, she's just like still with you. The spirit of Julia Roberts is upon us. (laughs) She is. I freaking love, love, love it. What's your human design? I am a 6'2 manifesting generator with an emotional authority. If anyone who's listening knows what that means. Give us a one sentence. An emotional authority. You're also an emotional authority. Um, it means that you have lots of lots of emotions about things. No. Um, and that there's actually no truth in your emotions. Oh. And so you need to learn to find like the deeper, still small voice underneath all of your big feelings to lead and guide you instead of allowing your big swings of highs and lows to tell you what to do. Because if you do something in a high high, the next day when you drop into your low low, it might not have been the best move. Genius. Genius. Okay. And I love, you're like a little tease. I'm like, all right, Kelly, give me more. Okay. Take my money. Like, okay. I, this is, it's perfect. So good. So good. Tell us 10 years from now, what's one thing you'd love to see in the world? To see in the world? Mm-hmm. Could be for yourself, for your kids, for anything. Oh my gosh. I mean, well, the first thing that came to my mind, which is supposed to be the right answer is my church. <laughs> I can't wait for your church. I hope I didn't out you by saying it. I just was so excited. I mean, I'm here for the outing of it because then that just like holds me more accountable that there's more people now, 300,000 apparently, who are going to be like, so where's that chick's church? (laughs) Where's that church, Kelly? That church. Right. And I'm in an active creation phase in this. So so having putting it out there only makes it more real. Exactly. And, and, you know, you did tell me to say whatever I wanted in the bio for you. So I did. I, I did. gave you full permission. You did. So there you go. I am just channeling what the goddess told me to say. And you're welcome. All right. Last question, Kelly. Yeah. What is one thing you want every woman to know? Oh, God. <laughs> That's so much pressure. Um, it would be that you're already perfect. Hmm. That there's nothing to heal. That there's nothing to fix. Right. That all of that is just 
it's just the world on top of us. And if you can peel it back and get underneath it, you're already everything that you've ever wanted to be and more. Mm. What she said. Beautiful. Thank you so much, sister. Thank you. Mm -hmm. You're genius. You're beautiful. I know everybody here is going to want to go find you. Check out Kelly Mahalik. As you can see, she's just incredible. So thank you for being on the Purpose Girl podcast. And for all of you out there, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Girl podcast. If you loved this episode as much as we loved it, head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, leave your five-star review. It literally takes you 30 seconds to leave a sentence and your reviews are how women all over the world are finding the Purpose Girl podcast and changing their lives. And that's how we change the world one woman at a time. If you are not yet in the Purpose Girls Facebook group, like girlfriend, what are you waiting for? We are almost 4,000 women strong. Every day I post a prompt on there. Every week I go live with a live teaching. You want to be in it now. Of course, make sure that you are getting your free living on purpose guide on my website at purposegirl.com. And with that, my love, may you live purposefully. May you love yourself and may you love life. Bye for now.